Three Beards Media Podcast may contain mature themes. And if you're not down with that, we got three words for you. Like the podcast. Nailed it. Hey everybody, welcome to the latest episode and edition of Like Father, Like Daughter, hosted by Chris and Caitlin Shipley. Uh, this is episode six, I believe, so somehow we've managed six episodes. Caitlin, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Not Actually, bad. I'm not doing good because right before we go live on this, this jerk said Don't goodbye to me. Talking, like that. talking about you oh i'm sorry the one who's in charge of starting the podcast yes also uh for you listeners i text her five minutes ago and said hey we're on and you're and she's like oh okay i gotta pull my laptop out so you weren't even ready with okay, your laptop but 8 p.m would have been early because you usually don't start till like five minutes after we tell I'm everybody trying we're trying to be punctual i'm trying to be punctual all right, so what we're doing tonight is, this is kind of a new segment that we're going to do, uh, is we want to introduce uh, our listeners and other family members to some of the family that they may not necessarily be connected with. I have a whole group of, uh, of cousins and aunts and uncles that were in Omaha, along with my grandmother, uh, that, that were in Omaha the entire time that I was a kid. So... Uh, intermittently we're able to, to to be with them and see them and this is an opportunity to bring them on meet them introduce themselves so uh our first family guest tonight is my uh cousin scott scott thanks for coming on uh like father like daughter i appreciate it hey i'm glad to be here we're gonna we are gonna enlighten caitlin about all the shipley shenanigans we've done in our lives <laughs> Enlighten is a enlighten is, is, is a okay. great choice of words there. I okay, but can we can we copy copyright Shipley shenanigans? We totally missed out on a podcast name. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like we need to have a T-shirt for that. that That's is. what I'm saying. I know a guy. Well, we we affectionately call what we do with uh, my side of the family now the Shehanigans. So there you go. Yes. That's now that's really a t-shirt idea. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what we need. That's what we need. Scott, uh, again, I, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I know it's been a long time since we've connected. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think the last time that I saw you fittingly enough yesterday was the 13, the 12 year anniversary of, of dad passing away. Um, and then his funeral was a couple of days later. And I think that was the last time I think I've seen you. So yeah, I think in person. Yeah, you're, you're no, actually, I'm sorry, uh, Uncle Ron, and then of course your mom's funeral was was right, that? right, right. But no. uh, so Caitlin knows, uh, not any, you know, you know, dissing any of my other uncles, but everybody knows it is not a uh, a secret that Uncle Melvin was my favorite. Um, <laughs> he he was my best uncle ever. Um, 
And so I don't know if you want to start talking about some things, Chris, but I can tell her the old story about when your dad decided he needed an extra hand. I, when I was, I, I knew I was this 18. was a story. I when knew I was this 18. was a story. <laughs> when I was 18, and I now I know it's hard to picture because I don't have any hair now, but I, you know, I had the old <laughs> hair down to here and the feathered back from the 80s. I was looking pretty good. I was a handsome young dude. And uh, <laughs> Uncle Melvin calls me and says, hey, I got to go to this um, this prison and put up some, take some blinds down and put some new blinds up and um, I'll pay you. He goes, the other, the other guy I was going to take with me, he, he, he got tied up. He says he can't make it. I said, Oh, okay. I said, I said, when you need me there, uh, we're leaving in the morning. And I'm like, well, I'm in Omaha. He goes, we better get your ass here. Cause we're leaving in the morning. <laughs> so we're going to head to Mount Pleasant. <laughs> so I got there and I spent the week with your grandpa and you know, your grandpa was, a jokester. So I'm already a little nervous going into this, this prison with him. I mean, you know, they patted us down. They brought us into the, into the cell block and the door clangs behind you. And then the other one opens and I'm like, Whoa, you know, you get, it's getting real. And so they start walking us through and somewhere in that week, he and I, we were, you know, getting along pretty good and figuring things out. And um, we had to leave our tools out in the hallway. We couldn't take them into these little pods that they had because they wanted to make sure somebody didn't come by and swipe a screwdriver or whatever. Oh, yeah. And so we were always passing each other through the, through the entry door. And, um, I was, he was coming out and I was going in and, and your grandpa goes, Hey Scott, he goes, I go, don't do that in here. <laughs> I, I don't need anybody getting any ideas about this long-haired 18-year-old kid <laughs> in prison, and you're blowing kisses at me. And, and, and to make it worse, we were we, we, we went to these different floors with just different levels, and this particular floor, we were like, man, these guys are really pretty cool. They're chilled out. They're really nice. And then the guards told me, well, that's because you're in the uh, sexual predator unit. I looked at your, your <laughs> grandpa, and I said, we're getting out of here. Let's, let's pack this stuff up and move along. So that yeah. is my story. I always tell everybody about uh, his um, his sarcasm. I'm like, you're making me nervous now. Don't be blowing me any kisses in prison. Yeah, that that was his his ability to make you uncomfortable was what uh, was was part of his pleasure. He enjoyed making other people uncomfortable. Yeah, if if he could, yes. I mean, and that went for all of the what, what we call the the. You That's know, the, correct the generation above us uh, in front of us, they love tormenting us kids. It didn't matter what they were doing. <laughs> no, no, I, I can I always tell the story about Atlanta that we're, we're already off on a tangent and that's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. uh, I always tell the story about Atlanta that I was scared to death. Whenever dad would say, we we're going to go stay at Atlanta's house. I was scared of her. Like, not like, like I'm saying legit scared of her because in my eyes, my dad was the toughest, meanest you know i nobody could ever beat him and the way lana would talk to him and tease him and yell at him and whatever in a loving way now that i'm older and see it you know was uh it would scare me to death and i was like i absolutely hate her because she's so mean to my dad uh and now just growing up and knowing that that was just Probably a. She thought that was funny that she knew that I was probably scared to death of him. Oh yeah, uh, you know what I mean. Uh, but 
Yeah. Didn't you guys in there, didn't you guys lose a screwdriver at some point? Yeah, we, we misplaced a screwdriver. It came up Ugh. missing. And so we had to notify him immediately. We couldn't find a screwdriver. And you want to talk about you want to talk about doors slamming and things going berserk. Mm -mm. And we were, and then we were, thank goodness, we were stuck out in the hallway of these because right. they had these pods where you had to walk in a door. And they were like, and we're like, well, you know what's going on? I said, well, you guys are missing a screwdriver. You're not leaving until we find it. And I'm like, well, I'm not staying here overnight. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it did surface, but that's, uh, that was a little unnerving too. It's like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was uh, that was one of the things that Dad always um, he always looked out for for everybody. Uh, uh, giving you a job, uh, he let I can remember there for a while. He let Fud and his friends stay at the house when I was a kid. Uh, my cousin Tina, our cousin Tina, had lived with us for a little bit. Uh, Linda's daughter, um, so. Dad's house was always a wayward house for anybody that needed a place to stay. Yeah, and, and and I think that was just, I think that's just what they were because my mom was the same way. She, you know, she raised she raised us, and then when when Lana passed away, she was raising her grandson, yeah, uh, Harry. And my mom and Aunt Lana had a pact forever. She said, "If Joyce, if anything ever happens to me, promise me you'll you'll raise Harry." And when Aunt Lana passed away, Harry was 13, and Harry went to live with my mom and dad, and yep. uh, he he still calls, uh, you know, he, I mean, my mom's gone, but still calls, calls my, you know, that's grandma to him, and, and my right. aunt's papa, I mean, he, you know, um, but she, that was just something about that generation, um, even when, I mean, they were mean hombres, too, don't get me, get me wrong, but they would open their heart and tell you, and tell you crapped on them. And when you yeah. crap on them, then you got to go. Um, you know, you yep. don't you don't follow the rules. You don't live by the what I, I told you, you need to do. Then you're going to have to get. Um, but uh, so they were tough in that in that regard. But yes, they would they'd give you the shirt off their backs. I just think it was that generation that that felt that yeah. way. So let's introduce everybody to your family. I, I found this photo. Oh uh, boy! And oh uh, boy, I'm a little nervous. So I, I believe it or not. Your mom's Facebook page is still live and active. It I'm is active, yep. but out there. Yep. So I did quite a bit of digging uh, in there until I found. Uh, I can just imagine which one you found. Found this photo here. So let's introduce everybody to. Uh, I knew it was going to be this one. Yes, because <laughs> believe it or not, your mom didn't have a lot of photos on there. So no. So you can tell I'm the wonderful one uh, with the yellow wonderful suit. There at, with the nice bowl cut. Fancy. I mean, you know, that's 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 seventies, late seventies, all the way, my friend. <laughs> and so the, hotels, the oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think that, you know what? I'm pretty sure I saw that on Starsky and Hutch. I know for a fact I had this same haircut right here once. Oh, that's. Uh, I was so gonna say my, I, yeah. I've I've seen I think all variations of, I'm assuming, uh, your siblings. Their hair, I've seen all those variations on dad's pictures growing oh, up. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> just yeah. It just got a little longer. <laughs> no, so that's my brother, Pat. So he's the middle He's the middle brother. And then uh, up from him is my oldest brother, Shane. Uh, so Pat and Shane are, are, are still hanging around. Pat's 
Pat's fighting some some uh, issues right now, and we hope he, you know, he can he can get get through that. But um, um, Penny, all the girls are gone though. Penny is Man. my old sister. Yep, and yep. then of course Sherry, the little one there with the pigtails. Yep. Um, I used to, you know, harass the crap out of that kid. But um, she was the first one. She she died in her early forties, and that was a that was a tough one. That was that a tough was hard. one. Especially, yeah, so I, you know what? And yet another one that that came and stayed at mom and dad's for a little bit. I remember yeah. she came and stayed at mom and dad's for a little bit. Yeah, and and uh, and and my dad, um, you know, he's uh, he's a great guy. He's uh, he is my dad. I mean, he's my yes. stepfather, but but uh, he's the only dad I ever knew, and uh, raised me since I was two years old. So that's that's my pops, and uh, uh, he gets a kick out of it. He still has a. I don't know how he did it because you know you have to turn your driver's license in when you get a new one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Somehow he shysted somebody and he <laughs> still has his uh I call it his his Unibomber uh driver's license. He's got one of those green parkas from yeah. the from the 70s that's got the big furk thing on the yep. back of it and he's got a beard that hangs down to here and he looks like the damn Unibomber and he <laughs> loves to show everybody that driver's license when uh, he goes, you want to see my driver's license? And they're all like, yeah, <laughs> he's a 79-year-old you know, man. Yeah, we'll humor you. And he pulls that out. And he just gets a big chuckle that he's got his, however he was able to keep it. What, um, <clears throat> what do you think? I, I, I heard versions of reasons why dad was in Des Moines and, 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 and you guys were in Omaha. Um, what, what do you think the reason was that we weren't as close as we should have been? Well, <clears throat> I mean, I think it goes back to even, you know, you and Caitlin, right? Um, girls, you know, for the most part want to stay close. And I, I think that, um, yeah. you know, we lived in Minnesota, um, when I was very little, that's where my, my dad was from a small town in Minnesota and, um, and grandma and grandma and, and, and grandpa lived in, in Omaha. And yeah. so when we decided to move, um, I think she wanted to be close to her mom. And, and actually the first, gosh, I'm saying 10 years or so, um, that we lived in Omaha, we lived right down the street from grandma and grandpa. So I saw, I saw grandma and grandpa every day and, 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 as you know, I call him Mandel, but Uncle Mandel, they yeah. adopted two kids. Yeah. Um, and Mandel and Rochelle are about the same age as, as me and Chris. And yeah. so I hung out with my aunt and uncle all the time and, and played, but um, uh, very close. And I think that's the reason that she, that she ended up. I think the other reason is, you know, she, uh, the, the, my father, my biological father was from the Des Moines area and, um, there was a lot of bad blood there between him and my yeah. and my mom. He he actually uh, kidnapped Pat at one time, took Pat from my mom and and um, my grandma, uh, grandma and, and uh, our grandma and, and my mom actually staked out the school for multiple days um, after he had been there a while. With the police back back in the seventies, the whole custody thing, it, it just wasn't a they didn't get involved. So whoever right. had custody of the kid. That's they just let said, well, they got custody of them. There's nothing we can do. Right. And so knowing my mom and my grandmother, Chris, I mean, 
we know how hungry they are. They said, yep. well, I'll be damned if he's going to take and keep my son. So right. they just sat there and they waited for their moment and they literally kidnapped my brother back. They, they rolled up to the school. My mom, my grandma, grandma was driving. My mom was in the passenger seat. She said, Pat, Pat. And he looked at her and came running to the car and literally grabbed, drug him through the window. And my grandma took off. She just took off with him. And they went, they knew if they could get back to Nebraska, that the Definitely. Des Moines police weren't going to do anything. So, um, you know, it was fair game, but I think that's probably the reason that we didn't. Um, but the times we did, and there were times, um, yep. they're still, I mean, you know, hell, I probably, well, I know I was less than 10 years old when you guys lived out on the farm, Chris. And uh, yeah. I got, there's pictures of it somewhere of Polaroid with geese running around with no heads. Cause my dad, your dad chopped their heads off and thought it was funny to traumatize us to watch geese well, run around with no heads. Let me tell you something. Those geese were traumatizing with their heads. <laughs> so I, I, number one, I can't understand why dad had geese anyways. You would literally walk out the door and they would hiss and flap their wings. I, I probably stayed in the house for three months straight because I was scared to death of those things. Well, you were in the car with us, right? When they said they ran out of gas coming back to the farm and we were going over the bridge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Around the corner. Now, Caitlin, I'll tell you where this was. If you remember like a year and a half ago when we drove down to Warren County, and remember I said we can't go down this road because it's a level B road and we had the Mustang and it had just rained a couple days beforehand. Scott. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm not taking the chance of getting this Mustang stuck down there. That was the road farther down there, was a little bridge there. And then around the corner was the trailer where we lived. Yeah. And so they had they had been building up this story all afternoon about how there was a bunch of Indians back in the day that owned that land. And I mean, yes. they were hyping the story up really, really good. Um, and they took us, they took all us, we were all packed into a car together. Um, probably more kids that were, than should have been in the car, but we were all packed in there, all the cousins and your dad, and your, your grandpa's driving and him and my mom and my dad and, and, and your grandma, they're all chattering back and forth about these Indians and, and making this big story. And then we run out of gas <laughs> on that bridge. Yeah. And they tell us kids to stay in the car. They're going to go back to the house and get the gas can. Yes. And then suddenly we started hearing Indian noises and <laughs> weird sounds and stay in the car. Yeah. Stay in the car. My ass. We all scrammed. So, um, but that was the traumatizing things they, uh, they would do to us. Right. And done, and, and wouldn't think too about it. No, they were no. The whole time. no, I, I always tell the story about the snipe hunt. Oh gosh. And I think to myself now, there's no way I, I, there's no way I'd leave my kid out in the middle of a farmland half a mile away from the house yep. and, <laughs> And, and let them try to figure out how to get home. And, and Caitlin, you're laughing. I, I'm going to guess you have no idea what a snipe hunt is. Uh, there's a reference to it in the movie Up, where oh. it's like, go go snipe hunting. Is it like a made-up thing to keep kids busy or something? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, it's a made-up thing up. to make your kids scared Traumatize your kids. Traumatize your kids. <laughs> so you would... They they took us out. Gave I was us, smart enough not to fall cases. for it. Gave us pillowcases. With pillowcases. And they took us out onto the ridge on the farm. 
and told us that we were going to snipe hunt and all, and these tiny little snipe birds would only come out after dark and they were going to go beat the bushes and the snipes would run to you and you would catch them in your in your your pillow sack <laughs> and they so went as far all... as getting you actual pillowcases they were oh, committed yeah. oh, to yeah. the they bit were... yeah. oh, yes. i yeah. love this so they took us out there i remember scott i was too scared and i went home with dad and all I remember is, is going home and they went right in the house and got coffee and sat at the kitchen table and played cards and left those kids out there to figure out that they were never, yep. there, there were no snipes and they were going to have to figure out how to get back home. Yep. Yeah. They left us out there. And, and, and like you said, um, it, it, one of those things, it's like, we're out there. What if we would have went the wrong direction? They had no, no. I mean, right? either they either they had a lot of faith in our directional aptitude, <laughs> or they didn't give a damn. One no, <laughs> no. But they I, left us all out there. That's what I'm saying. Now looking back, right now, I, I, I would probably be sitting home going, "Oh my God, they've been gone for ten minutes. I maybe what if they fell in a ditch, or what if they, you know, what what if they got lost, or what if they're on a ridge and I I can't find them, and now their cell phone doesn't work and I can't get a hold of them on their cell right. phone." And, I mean, and the funny, yeah. And the funniest part was when we finally make it back to the house, they're all in there drinking coffee or beer or whatever. And we come in. So what took you guys so long? Did you get any snipes? <laughs> you know, and we're already like, no, there are no snipes. Right. You know, they're, but they're loving it. And then I'm sure that was their chatter the rest of the evening of how gullible we are that we're out there with pillowcases in the middle of a cornfield. I'm thoroughly convinced their main reasons for doing these types of things were just so they could continue to tell stories years later while they were hanging out drinking coffee at a different time. Right. Hey, remember that time we did this? Hey, remember that time we did that? Because I've heard those stories a billion times. Yes. Yep. But that was that was part of the beauty of doing it. Yeah, that was one of the that was one of the big memories I have of, of the the times that we did get the Omaha and the Des Moines crew were together. It, it was always somebody was getting tormented. I mean, it didn't matter. But right. and it was usually and definitely was us kids. Oh, yeah, because we were easy targets. Oh, we absolutely. We retaliate. If they could gang <laughs> up on us, then they knew that we wouldn't be able to retaliate. Now, if dad pulled a prank on Joyce or Joyce pulled a prank on dad or Lana or whatever, then there was always some retribution coming later down the road. Yeah. Well, and and again, they were always jokesters because you know, one of the stories that, that I always was told was look these guys they used to like to hang out i mean back back in the day it wasn't always go to the bar they'd just go to somebody's house and they'd hang out and have beers and cocktails and and it was a lot of times it was you know brothers and sisters and and right. i can remember the story about being at uncle ron's place and um uncle ron always wore bib overalls i mean he was all constantly he's always in bib yeah. i've never seen that man in anything other than a set of bib overalls well he made the mistake of being the first one to go to bed that night. And they sat out and were drinking and carrying on. And they thought it would be funny to go into his bedroom. And all they did was got his bibs off and pulled them down to his ankles. And they went and got a Vaseline jar and rubbed it on his, on his ass. And then they put the broom right next to him in bed with Vaseline on it. Yes. And just left him so he could wake up in the morning and try to figure out what, what happened. And 
they were st they stayed the night apparently because the, the way the story goes is they could hear him yelling, "You better not have, you better not have." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, always the kids they would they would uh, occasionally get each other. They would. I always thought I always thought that Ron and my dad always looked more alike than any of any of the rest of. Oh them. yeah. Uh, and and there's another one. I don't. Uh, again, don't have a lot of memories of Ron because when we did go to Omaha, we rarely saw Ron. It was mostly either you, uh, Joyce, Aunt Joyce, or Aunt Lana. So, yeah. and my mom and uh, my mom and, and our Aunt Lana, it was eerie um, because their voices were so much alike that if you got one of them on the phone, you were not sure. Which one it was, and I—I I mean, it's—it's it's my mom. You'd think right. I would know my mom's voice. Yeah. yeah, it was eerily similar. You didn't know, so I mean, I got my ass chewed enough from both of them living in Omaha, so I got used to both voices. But they still right. were—they, <laughs> it was—it was just an eerie thing. But those two ladies, um, they would, uh, Caitlin, they would dress up for for Halloween all the time, and my mom was kind of a. I call her seamstress. She could make anything. And, you know, so so they would, in this day and age, I'm not sure if, if some of the stuff they did would even go over, but back then it was fine. Um, you know, and they would they would dress up for, they would make their own costumes and dress up for Halloween and go to the local bars. And and it, was, it wasn't unlike them to win the, the grand prize. So, yeah. For sure. I'm going to, I'm going to take a break. And then when I come back, we're going to catch up on some comments of some family members that have commented. And then I want you each to think of uh, this segment is always, you know, the best thing that's happened. So let's try to think of a, of a really poignant moment. Maybe Scott with your mom, uh, something that really stands out a, a lesson or two that your mom taught you. And, uh, and we'll come back and then we'll, we'll talk about that. At Revelton Distilling Company, everyone has become a part of the Revelton family. From the Taylors and their daughter who helped perfect their award-winning gins, to the team who installed Lucy, our 33-foot-tall custom-made still, right down to the local farms that provide our coveted corn, and even the cows on those farms who consume our mash byproduct. Want to see the farm to flask come to life? Now you can tour Lucy and find out where we take Iowa's harvest and transform it into our finest spirits. Choose between a 45-minute tour or find out even more by scheduling a VIP behind-the-scenes tour to get the taste of the full Revelton experience. You can visit them at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa, or find all of Revelton's award-winning spirits at any local grocery or spirits retailer. Okay, uh, we are back. I appreciate uh, Rob and Christy Taylor at Revelton Distilling Company. Very good friends of mine, old friends of mine. Uh, so when you get a chance, be sure to check those guys out. So I'm going to catch up on some comments here. Um, it, it's really nice to hear from my friend Tammy Warren Chapman. Uh, went to high school with her. Uh, she says she's got quite a few Tammy uh, stories about me. And, you know, I think this, this comment that she makes is really nice because it's kind of what I think, our, Scott, our family is really good about. Always kind and humble. Uh, I was always there for her in high school. So much fun to hang out with. Uh, love the contagious laughs and a true friend. And I think that is epitome of probably my dad was uh, kind and humble 
I can remember one time uh, his friend George Brown um, said to me, uh, you're a very nice young man or something like that. And I said, I know. And the next thing I know, I got smacked upside the head. And he looked at me and he said, "You, when you get a compliment, you shut your mouth and you say thank you. And you you don't act like a jackass. And I, <laughs> uh, Kim says she always hated birds. She accidentally drowned a few chickens leaving the water on. Guess what dad never asked me to do? Feed, feed the water <laughs> again. See, way I, to go, Kim. Right? See, I think that was just the way to do it. And Jackie's got a really good one, too. Caitlin, have you ever heard of the Booger Sam story? No. <laughs> I can't Sam. say that I have. He still lives today. He, did, he, he does. That was just basically the reverse of Santa. If you didn't really believe in Santa, you should act good. And Santa wouldn't bring any presents. It was actually, if you don't knock your shit off, I'm going to sick Booger Sam on you. It was basically <laughs> what that was. So yeah, They didn't scare us with, with good things like Santa. They went the other direction. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. Exactly. No positive reinforcement. No, it was all negative. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Uh, Debbie, of course, says uh, that absolutely uh, they did sound alike and that Aunt Lana was a little more rough around the edges. I would agree with that. Um, I, I would agree with that as well. And of course, well, Nick. And it's funny because we were talking, I think, before the, the, the podcast started, how you'd get threatened with Aunt Lana, right? I mean, that's that was just the thing. Hey, if you don't right. behave yourself, you're going to go to Aunt Lana's and she's going to babysit you. And you right. never wanted that. No. We're going to have to do another podcast. I wanted to bring my daughters on with Caitlin. And because that went down to them and they were petrified. So if we told them, hey, if you don't behave, you're going to, we're taking the Aunt Lana's and Aunt Lana's going to watch you. They'll tell you they were petrified. So I, it went, it was generational. It went down. And it started from the top because grandma was no, was no saint. No. She, and, and I remember the best story. We were staying at grandma's house and uh, Caitlin, if you got dinner at grandma's house, whatever you put on your plate, you damn well better eat. And if you didn't eat, you were sitting at that table until you ate everything. That sounds familiar. And, and <laughs> I remember she made stew one time and me and Mandel were sitting in Mandel's room eating dinner at the card table. And I said, I don't, I don't like this. And Mandel vividly looked at me and said, just shut the fuck up and eat it. <laughs> I said, but I don't like it. And I'm going to take it back. So I walked into grandma's kitchen and I said, grandma, I, I don't, I don't really like this. And she gave me a look and she's like, go put it on the counter. So I set it on the counter and I walked back in. Now here's the difference between grandkid who's probably not around a lot. Right. And, and, and son. Mandel sits at the table, looks at me and goes, well, shit, I, I don't really like this either. And walks back in there and says, mom, I don't really want this. And she said, you better take your ass back in there and eat every fucking bite of that or I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> and McKinnon sat down and looked at me and goes, I hate you so much right now. <laughs> well, like I told you earlier, they lived right down the road from us. So when we moved from Minnesota, we came into Omaha and grandma and grandpa lived down the street. Well, my mom, she worked, she was a nurse and she worked um, seven to 11, seven at night to, or excuse me, 11 to seven, 11 at night to seven in the morning. And so a lot of times she was sleeping during the day in the summer. And so yeah. we would go down to grandma's because she didn't want to be woke up when, when I was younger. And so I go down, down 
and and play at grandma's with mandel and we'd be and here's the deal you don't play in grandma's house there ain't no time for that shit no kids get outside there's plenty of space out there you don't need to be in here messing my stuff up <laughs> and so mandel and i were uh there was an alley that she lived her backyard with her you know was an alley and then it peed and it went the yep. other direction and there were some some detached garages over on the other side and we were making fun of some one of the one of the girls in the neighborhood and we were saying some things that we shouldn't have been saying right what we didn't know was her dad had heard it and he came around the garage from the other direction and started yelling at us and mandel mastered me took off and the guy was coming for me and i got so scared i froze in the alley and ducked my head but what I didn't realize at the time I was so scared I pissed myself <laughs> so I got away and we ran back to the backyard of Mandel's grandma's house and he goes you know we're talking I said I pissed myself and he says I said we need to tell I need to go and talk to grandma he says no you don't no you don't we gotta I literally went to the air conditioning unit outside the house <laughs> You know, the fans running. Yep. I sat there and dried my my shorts over the damn central air conditioner because we were not going in to tell grandma. Because if we told her I pissed myself, then I had to tell her why I pissed myself. Right. They were both getting our asses beat. Right. So I'm like, nope, I'm done. I'll just sit here and I'll smell like pee the rest of the day and I'll go home and change them. Nobody will ask questions. <laughs> that was grandma. She, the fear of, no, no. Especially well, if you did something you weren't supposed to do. Yes. Well, and D is exactly right. Most of our family members have the best hearts. We'll throw down a hot minute. <laughs> there is absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, and Nick, uh, who is uh, Jackie's son, Scott, wanted to know who Woody was. Kind of remember him from visiting Omaha when he was little. Why don't you tell everybody yeah. who he is? Yeah. So, so Woody, um, Woody was was married to Lana, um, and so he's Uncle Woody, and. Um, the only uncle uh, that I knew of, right? And 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 me as well, because I, I mean I think that um, they lived again. The Omaha group was really close uh, when we first moved to Omaha. It was we were on Thirty First and Laramore. Grandma and Grandpa were on on uh, the. We we're almost to, yeah. We were almost to Thirty First. They were um, down the block, and then Aunt Lana when we first lived there. Her and Woody lived a little bit further down they they were right off of 30th street in laramore um and so but uncle woody was great he was he was married to aunt lana he's the only uncle like chris said that that i knew um when we were growing up and um and he was a he was a good man he rate he helped raise the all the kids with with aunt lana and similar to my situation where um you know i call my my uh you know my dad or my pops, that's, that's who raised me. That's my pops. And, um, Debbie will tell you the same thing. That's, that's her dad. Um, and, and before he, before he passed away, he lived with, um, uh, Debbie and Daryl for quite, quite some time. She, she took care of him and, um, but really a great guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What he was the best. He was, uh, he was probably the perfect compliment to Aunt Lana. Because yes. Lana was was loud and boisterous, and 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 Woody would just sit in his recliner and just be like, let her let her do her thing, and and then when things calm down, I'll 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 smooth things over. 
Right. No, he was the he was definitely the calm one. Yeah, a hundred percent. Uh so you know that it's funny because the other one that that I talked about a little bit, um, and and in some future episodes, you know, we're gonna bring on Debbie. I want to get deep into there. I want to bring on Melissa and 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 Teresa and talk about Uncle Ron. Um, but one of the stories that I hear all about is is uh, uh, the famous pizza parties at Melissa's mom's house. Oh, Aunt Maggie. Oh, yeah. Yep. I, when we were growing up, um, so so Paula. Um, uh, was one of the older, uh, she was old as, she was like my, my oldest sister, Penny's age. Uh, and she worked at Skateland. So, you know, back in the mid eighties, you know, skating was the thing on Saturday night. Yeah. And I can remember, um, we would all, mom would, mom or dad would drop me off at, at, uh, uncle Ron and aunt Maggie's and aunt Maggie made homemade, uh, chef boy RD dough on a big cookie sheet and it was a square cookie sheet and she'd make everything from scratch and we would eat pizza and watch solid gold you know that's aging me watch solid gold and then we would go out to uh to skateland and paula worked at skateland so we got a few extra perks because uh you know cousin paula worked there but um uh, but used to have a blast. And, and I can remember me and Missy talk about that all the time of, of uh, um, you know, Aunt Maggie's pizza. She'll message me every once in a while and say, hey, I made mom's pizza the, tonight for the grandkids. And I said, cool. You know, we talk. Missy and I were, um, you know, from the Omaha crew, Missy and I were very close. Uh, and I was close to Debbie as well. And, and we're more like brothers and sisters than we were cousins because, I mean, anytime there was a get together. It was Uncle Ron, Aunt Maggie, um, you know, Aunt Lana, Uncle Woody, and then my mom and dad. So, you know, we got a lot of, of time together, um, regardless of. And in, in fact, there was a, a period of time where Aunt Lana and Uncle Woody and Maggie and Ron lived next door to each other and on Ellison Street. And that was a hoot. I can remember, again, you got to remember when, when Chris and I were growing up, we didn't have all these arcade games. So you had to entertain yourself and you sure in the hell weren't yeah. staying in the house because you were too loud. You, so, you were not. Yeah. You were not allowed. <laughs> in get that. your ass outside. Right. Um, and I can remember, I don't know whose car it was. It had no motor in it and no transmission. And aunt Lana and uncle Woody lived next to uh, Ron and Maggie. And we went in the house and we stole eggs out of the fridge <laughs> and we put eggs up on a cinder block. And then somebody would get in the car that didn't have a motor or a transmission in it. And the thing was, we were whoever was in the driver's seat, you had to drive. We pushed you as hard as we could down the hill. And then you had to hit the brakes and not knock over the cinder block and break the egg. <laughs> Good times. Good times. <laughs> yeah, she, it, it's funny because I don't, I don't know that Caitlin it's hard for, for kids her age and, 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 and people her age to imagine doing something stupid that. like that. I mean, well, but, but it's, but it's not even, it's not even that I would say kids these days don't want to do stuff like that or like don't have the ability. I, they, they record everything. So nothing is private. And right. And even if you leave your phone at home, but if another person brings that phone, it could just 
it's really hard to do anything behind your back. Well, you can't you can't make a mistake. You're right. No. Right. You, you can't. It, it, you can you make a mistake to, in today's world, right? With all the technology and and what we're doing right now, it's, it's great for these kind of things. But kids yeah. can't be kids anymore um, because things get blown out of proportion and, and well, you're I mean, not allowed to live. I think a, a perfect example of this is I'm sure when you guys were kids and you would go to the park, there might be pictures of men's genitalia drawn on the park slide or in, in the tunnel or whatever, or bad words were written on it. Um, we probably but, <laughs> but my, my point being is now every parent on the community Facebook page posts a picture of it and, and it just criticizes and, and we'll be like, well, I saw there were a bunch of teens there earlier. There were a bunch of 12 year olds. And it's like, so what? They're 12 year olds, teens doing the only thing they can do go to the park. They don't have a license. It's the same thing that's been happening for years. And so, well, right. Cause the perfect example of, of what technology has done to these kids is it just highly scrutinizes them and criticizes them for doing things well, that people did before technology. Right. And and the thing, you, you're exactly right, Caitlin, because everybody just complains about it and, and, and demeans the kids. What would have happened in our, our thing if, say, Scott and Chris were out there and we had the spray paint and we did it? Maybe we got away with it and our mom and dad didn't find out about it. But if they did, guess who was scrubbing the guess who was scrubbing the, right. the slide the next day? Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and, and my mom. And, and dad wasn't pissed at the guy down the street who came and told me and routed me out. Yeah. That's the that's other that's too. another thing is then those parents call each other out and it's suddenly uh well, how do you know it was my kid? Or now you're picking on my kid and blah blah blah. There's the right. parent that yeah, kids can be kids. Kids can be kids, do your kids things, but uh make stupid choices, win stupid prizes. So, <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's it just, it, it, it is. And a parent needs to hold their kid accountable for yeah. that. But they, I mean, now be honest, your mom knew you, my dad knew me. If somebody came and said, Scott did this or that, they would know immediately whether or not you, you, you had done that or not. And nope. if they knew that you did it, they weren't covering for you. No, nope. you, you were out. And if they and, didn't, then they would defend you. Right. Well, and, and sometimes they defend us, but they make us go do it anyway. Yes. They say, I, I don't know if you did or you didn't do it, but you know what? You're going to go make it right because they yeah. think you did it. So you're going to go clean it up and you're going to fix it. And we're going to be yeah. the better people. And right. let this be a listen, lesson to you. If you didn't do it, don't ever do it because this is what's going to happen. I, I so they still make you go clean it up. Right. I remember uh, the first time that I got in a car accident, I was working at Mr. Steak on the south side over by Southridge. Um, you know, you know, Southridge, Scott, we got kicked out of a movie theater there one time. Remember? I do remember that story. <laughs> and I was coming home and didn't check my blind spot. It was totally my fault. And I had moved into another lane and hit a car. And I was distraught. I was upset. You know, but I was polite. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. You know, the cops came. I was completely. And this lady just was like all over me. Well, look at his car. He probably doesn't have an insurance. Just just tearing me down. And I remember going home and telling dad and dad was instantly pissed. Not because 
I got in trouble or I got in an accident or whatever, but because that lady didn't show me the same respect that I showed her. Mm-hmm. He didn't call and make excuses. Hey, he's a new driver. And, and, you know, he was wrong. He's in there. He's in, he does have insurance because I don't let our kids drive without insurance. That's not what we're about. But did he say yes, ma'am and no ma'am to you? And I could hear the lady on the phone. Yeah. And then that was when he was like, well, then you're fucking out of line. Right. And you can get on the phone and you can apologize to my son. And that was just kind of, of what I learned. One of the, the, the lessons I learned about what's right is right. And what's wrong is wrong. And, and you can still take responsibility for your responsibilities, but then still also do it in a respectful manner and things like that. Yeah. Well, and, and exactly right, Chris, because today it's, I'll just protect my kid and, and not, and not have them have any ownership of it. When, when we grew up, it really was. If you would have spouted off to that lady and started cussing her out, you'd have got your ass tanned because you weren't respecting your elder. Regardless right. of how they treat you, you still treat them with respect. You come home, you tell me, right. I'll take care of it. But you don't ever disrespect, you know, a person of authority or a, a, right. a, an elder. I'll take care of that. Right. You always present yourself as a, you know, as the way I raise you. You don't you don't tarnish my reputation by the way you're acting. So I think that's a big difference. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Okay, we're gonna take a, our last break and then we're gonna come back and then uh, I, I want to talk. We're gonna talk about you getting me kicked out of a out of a movie. Oh boy, Harry's gonna love this story. <laughs> Are you in the market for a new house and unsure of the mortgage process? Want to know that you have someone looking out for you? Kyle Lehman from Wintrust Mortgage is a down-to-earth, knowledgeable lender who can be there for you in your corner. He can work with you in any of the 50 states and is just what you need to expand your home search. Kyle will work with you through the entire process with little to no work from you. Take the worry of the mortgage process out of the equation so that you can focus on looking for your dream home. Contact Kyle at www.wintrust.com forward slash Kyle dash Lehman or call him at 515-473-0546. And we're back. Uh, that is Kyle Lehman from Wintrust Mortgage, another one of our great sponsors. So before we took that break, we were talking about the movie that uh, that Scott got me kicked out of, which would be the uh, famous Karate Kid Part Two at Southridge. Yeah, Stadium. I couldn't remember what part it was. Seven. I, I only remember because I vaguely remember the scene where they were like chopping up the trees and whatever, and that the bad guys were like kicking all over the trees, and we were screaming in the movie theater about how how naughty they were, and I, I don't know. It was all I know wax is, on, is wax, wax on, wax off. Right, and Scott got us kicked out. I'm not sure if I got us kicked out. I think it was a group effort. Um, and, and Harry Harry Nelson, which is Missy's husband, yes, um, he was with us, and he still talks about this story when he when, when they come over, and he's like, "I wanted to watch the rest of that damn movie, and you got us kicked out." So he thinks I got us kicked out too. I just might have had the loudest voice, but you, you I had, was I think not you had the only one involved. Actually, I think it was the feet on the back of the chair that you would not that you continued to. The poor kid would come down and tell us to get our feet off the back of the chair. 
and then we would, and then he'd walk away, and then we'd put him right back up. And looking back, that poor bastard was probably making six dollars an hour. <laughs> he, he probably wasn't. He probably thought we were the biggest a holes in the whole uh, Des Moines area at that moment in time because we were not. We were not. Uh, again, now this is what I know. I was because I think I drove down. I had to yeah. have drove down, so I, I think I was probably eighteen or nineteen. Yeah. So, well, um, eighty-six. So I was. I, I was fifteen. So, right, yeah. So I was I was eighteen because that's the year I graduated. So that might have even been the same week you were working with Dad. Yeah, it was. I can't remember the. Um, or were we down there for because Aunt Maggie and Uncle Ron got divorced at one point, and he was marrying somebody in that right area. Yeah, that's why we were there. That was my first. That was my first entry into a Catholic wedding. And I remember my dad being just pissed because it was going to be. <laughs> and he's probably mumbling under his breath about his brother, right? Uh, I'm sure he was. Yeah. What the hell is this guy getting a Catholic wedding? Well, I'm just going right. down to the damn yes. place and get it done. It ain't the first time you've done it. I do remember. I do remember him bitching that it was a Catholic wedding and it was going to take three hours. I, <laughs> and then we got smart Alec Travis. Right. They had movie theaters back then. Yeah, Travis, they did. Uh. Let's wrap up a little bit and let's talk about um, how much we miss him. Yesterday was Dad's 12-year anniversary of um, of being uh, of being gone, and I remember my last memory of Dad. I was told my last memory of Dad was uh, the two days before. Mom had Mom had went to go see my aunt Virginia and was out of town. And I went over to mow their lawn. And Dad was sitting in the uh, in the living room, smoking cigarettes, watching Fox News or something. All I know is I I, 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 I know what you were watching because I've heard you tell this story. Oh yeah, he was watching Date My Mom on MTV. No, it was about the was it Date My Mom? Because then didn't you guys have a conversation about uh, the Casey Anthony trial? Or was I thought? The Casey Anthony, there was something on it because you guys were talking. About- it was one of two things. He was either watching Date My Mom, which I remember saying, Why are you watching this? And he said, This is a good show. Uh, and then he would watch Fox News because he would always joke about wanting to know what the enemy was watching. That's That was his joke. But I remember wa- uh, going in there and uh, I got done mowing the lawn and I gave him a kiss and he was smoking. And I said, Are you supposed to be smoking in the house? And he said, I can do whatever I want. And I was like, yeah, when mom's not here. Uh, but you're going to have to pick all this up when she gets home. And that was the last time I had seen him. Uh, I was, and this is what a profound effect this has on me. That following Sunday, uh, it was it was 19 days before my wedding to Stacy, And we had went to see uh, Father John that morning to go over some last minute things for the wedding. And then we went and played golf with a friend of hers and her husband. And I left my cell phone in my, in my, in my car. Um, and then Stacy had left at the, at the nine hole, ninth hole. When she got done, her and her friend, Karen, were going to go doing some stuff for the wedding. And her husband and I were going to finish playing golf. And here comes Stacy back from the car with my cell phone. I had, I had 19 or 20 missed phone calls. And she had gotten home and found dad uh, had had a stroke and was laying in the, um, in the, uh, in the hallway. And I remember, 
going to the hospital. And I'll never forget what Uncle Carol said. Uncle Carol was there. Uh, all my sisters were there. Mom was there. Caitlin and Tyler were there for a little bit. And dad, your family friends came out. Yeah, and Dad passed away with all of us around our around him, saying goodbye. And Uncle Carol was in the room, and I turned around, and Uncle Carol was crying, and he said, "When I pass away, that's how I want to go." It was with everybody around. Him. But I, to this day, Scott will not go anywhere without my cell phone. Yep, yep. Well, it, it, I had a similar because it'll be November twenty sixth of this year. Will be ten years for my mom, and um, and I was on vacation that weekend, and she had just had about um, it, she had a uh, she it wasn't a stroke, but um, but she did go into cardiac arrest uh, about a week or ten days before that, whatever it was, and. Uh, it might've been a little longer than that, but it was a few weeks before that. And, um, she got better and they released her from the hospital and they told her, Hey, you're probably going to need to quit your job. And, um, you know, she, that was some of those things she had going on in her mind, but I was on vacation that week. I was building a, uh, a pole barn and I was, went down to, um, I had to go down to the County and turn in my paperwork. Same kind of thing. I went in there left my cell phone in the car. And filled out my paperwork, everything got back to the, the truck. And my, my oldest brother, Shane, called. Well, Shane doesn't call me out of the blue or very often. I mean, it's just, it, maybe it's something. And uh, um, so I'm hopping in the truck and I'm going to the, you know, I'm going down to the lumber yard to get, get some lumber and stuff with my truck. And I call him back and I said, what's going on? What's the matter? And, and he tells me, he says, well, mom, found mom unresponsive in the bed and they've taken her to Clarkson. And normally when you get that kind of news, right, you, you're on the accelerator and you're going as fast as you can. Yeah. And so I'm going down the interstate heading into council bluffs and something just came over me and said, and I'm sure it was her. It was, it's okay. Slow down and just, and just get there. And so by the time I got to the emergency room, my older sister Penny was there. Um, I want to say I'm pretty sure. I don't know if Deb was there yet or not, but she was probably close behind. Um, and so I got in there and I said, "What's going on?" And we, they said, "Well, we we know she crashed. They took her out. They were doing CPR." I said, "Was well, anybody come out to talk to us yet?" And it was no. And Dad was there. My dad was there, and, mm -hmm. and I'm like, the longer it went on, it's one of those things you're like this is not good. Nobody's coming out and giving us an update. Um, and so they finally came out and um, our family's big. I mean, when something happens, everybody's yep. there. So there was probably 15 people in their waiting room, all wondering about my mom and the doctor and the nurse came out and, and they said, they asked for Mr. Anderson. And my dad said, I'm right here. And I stand up and they come and he goes, are all these people with you? Yeah. Okay, yeah. hang on. And so they went and they, they actually put us in a damn broom closet of all places. And that's where they told us that they couldn't revive her. There was too much damage done from the first time of doing CPR that, that, that they couldn't bring her. But the reason it was taking so long, and I will say kudos to Clarkson Hospital, they cleaned mom up. They took everything off of her. When we walked in that room, they had a blanket on her. They had her hands you know, folded. They had a rose in her hand. 
And so, because it was already traumatizing enough, right? right. You didn't want to see your loved one sure. in that kind of, uh, you know, disarray. So, um, and they just told us, they said, just whatever time you need with her, take your time with her. And, you know, um, and so then everybody started coming in and, um, but it was, it was just one of those moments where it was like, and, and you know, there's been a lot of death in our family because we got a big family and just come yeah. with it. a lot of bursts. There's a lot of graduations, right? But there's a lot of death on the other side. And, um, out of, in a very short period of time, I lost my, my baby sister. I lost my mother-in-law. Um, I lost my mom. Um, and I lost a sister-in-law in that time frame. And my mom's passing was probably the easiest for me, as strange as that is. And it was because, like I tell everybody, I treated my mom the way a son should treat his mom. Yeah. And I had no regrets. Yep. I miss her every day, but I had no regrets. I was like, I treated her the way a, a son is supposed to treat his mother. And yeah. I'll miss her. But I know I did right by her. So there was there was peace in my heart when she passed. But uh, but it, there there aren't. I mean, we talk about all the crap my mom used to do. I mean, it, it's you know, but she made memories for us. And I I think we're talking earlier is that that's why they did what they did. It wasn't yeah. just to torment us. <laughs> they not only did they want to have stories to talk about, they wanted us to carry the stories on to the next generation. Right. And this is this is why. It's so important to talk to to have conversations like this and to be connected, and so on. And Scott, I'd never known um, that that's kind of how you felt when your mom died, and that is the exact way I felt when Dad passed away. I can remember Dad passing away, and I had an absolute calm and peace because I knew he was better. Yep, he wasn't in pain anymore. He was in a better spot. And I've said every year that I can remember, am I sad that he's gone? A hundred percent. Right. But I selfishly will not be sad that he passed away because he's in so much of a better spot. And, and you know what? I got 40 some 43 years with my dad. Cass got three. Yep. And, and, and he deserved to see my dad and, uh, and, wow. and all those memories and stories. And, and I, I don't have as much time with aunt Joyce uh, as I would have liked, but I remember every single time I saw her and that's no joke. Every time the first question she would ask me is, is when are you going to buy me that brand new car? You promised me when you were a kid. <laughs> It's the first question she would always ask me. She's like, you know, when you were a little baby and when you were a kid, you'd tell me that you were going to buy me a new car. So I'm waiting on that new car. She's driving it now. Your dad's and in the backseat. In Melbourne fashion, my response usually was, well, as long as I owe it to you, I can't cheat you out of it. <laughs> right, I did I did a little bit of research, Dad, in the Casey Anthony trial because I've, I've heard that story a million times. So I'm not going to, like, correct your memory of it. I want to see... If you remember this, okay? okay? Consider it my remember when segment, even though I wasn't there. I remember you telling the story and saying, because I just looked it up, the Casey Anthony trial ended like the first week of July of 2011. And I think you said that it was like the first time in a long time you really got your dad riled up because 
you guys were talking about the Casey Anthony trial and he's like, yeah, that, that insert profanity here is guilty is what you told me that he said. And you were like, yeah, dad. And you said that was probably, and that was probably the last time that he was, I mean, really passionate or like riled up about something like that. If you really think about it, I mean, cause you, I remember you tell and you'd be like, are you smoking in the house? Uh, does mom know you're smoking in the house? And I remember that part. Yeah. And I think that, that's what started getting him riled right. up. And then you started talking about the Casey Anthony trial and he started going off. He was all about, about Casey Anthony. He was yeah. all about current news and watching the news and, and, and he may have been watching it from the enemy's point of view, which may have already had him riled. I don't know, but, that that seems about right. Well, the timing seems right. So, well, I remember it better than you, and I wasn't even there. <laughs> I'm old. I don't remember everything. Listen, this is this has been great, uh, Scott. Thank you so much, and I and and uh, yeah, I love you. Love you too, brother. I'm telling you, it's it's uh, we got a good family. We like I said, we may be the land of the misfits, but I'll take us because we're real. Look, Look I'm the heart in the middle. Screenshot. <laughs> That's right. Dad was very passionate about his views on things. There's no doubt about that. Exactly. Colin, you know, we, we didn't even talk about warthogs. No, I know. Oh, and we're going to have that. Okay. No, no, no. We need to extend it just for, I need to hear this because I was like, how do I join this club <laughs> when I was a kid? I don't know that that's Everyone a was doing it. Uh, I don't know, Chris, because well, my, my was... daughters, they're. Yeah. They think it's a uh, a badge of honor to be a, a badge of honor. That's what I'm saying. I was like, I, I remember Aunt D and Aunt Kim were like talking about warhogs. I'm like, how do how do I join this club? That was Dad's <laughs> affectionate name for Lana and Joyce. Yes, his sisters. Because they were they were <laughs> Debbie. They, they were mean. <laughs> mean yes, and grumpy. And grouchy and, and very protective of their young. Oh, and Deb and my wife Lou and Gay, you know, Dee and Jackie, they're thrilled to, to take the ring. Let me tell yeah. you. Yes, absolutely. All right. But but see, your your mom is still senior warthog. So there you go. That's right. That's right. Grandma Lida is senior warthog. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Travis said I was raised to dislike them and to fear the warthogs. Smart man. <laughs> then you were you were raised correctly. So he was raised by the men because <laughs> I feel like the women really used it as an empowerment tool in our family. Oh, they did. They did. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> and fear. They, they they didn't shy away from the fear part. No, no, no. They wanted you to literally piss your pants like I did yeah, when I was that, So that, that line from that movie, The Bronx Tale, would you rather be feared or loved? Sometimes I think. <laughs> They'd rather be feared because love can go away every once in a while. Fear stays forever. No, no. Fear gets right through the heart, man. You know, you do not want to cross the word on. That's right. Amen. Scott, thank you very much. Uh, everybody, thank you for, for tuning in. This was exactly what I kind of wanted was our family to chime in and to comment and to um, to tell some stories. So this this was really cool. Just, it was really cool to see all of our family kind of tune in and, and comment and things like that. So uh, I will pull I will pull the audio and post it uh, on all the uh, podcast uh, spots. So if any, if anybody has missed it or came in at the tail end, you can do that. It will also be live on our YouTube channel. So if you want to rewatch it, 
Scott, do you have any last minute, uh, any words of wisdom for Caitlin? Any Shipley wisdom for Caitlin? Well, I would just, I would just tell you that if, if you're striving to be a warthog, just go ask your, your aunts. They'll get you in the right direction. Well, that's great because we're going there this weekend to see D. So, bada bing. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody. Uh, check out the rest of our podcasts on the Three Beards Media Network and uh, hit up our sponsor, Scott. I'm going to get you a bottle of whiskey from my buddy from Revelton. Uh, we'll get that over into the Omaha area and, and, and we'll toast it. We'll toast this. I'll, I'll come and see you and then stop and see my stepsister in Carlisle before she pummels me because I haven't been to see her in a while. That sounds great. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. Everybody have a great night.